Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. I'm Jim Friend. Welcome back, everybody. We have another great show for you today. I'm excited to have Mr. John Matthew Knowles back with us on the podcast today. John serves as the Executive Director of the Diocesan Fiscal Management Conference and President of the Catholic Finance Association. And we're going to talk about some of the things that came out of the DFMC conference and some of the issues and opportunities that he's seen in dioceses around the country. But first, if you haven't picked up your copy of The Giving Crisis, co-authored by Brian Crimmins and Nathan Chappelle, what are you waiting for? I'm so pleased to share that The Giving Crisis is literally flying off the shelves and was the number one bestseller on Amazon recently. Brian and Nathan have been making the podcast circuit, and I'm pleased to say that we were their first stop on episode 125 of Advancing Our Church, so check it out. As you know, we're now in the Advent season, and the Advent season is a time of preparation that directs our hearts and our minds to Christ's second coming at the end of time, and of course to the anniversary of our Lord's birth on Christmas. From the earliest days of the church, people have been fascinated by Jesus' promise to come back. But the scripture readings during Advent tell us not to waste time with predictions, because Advent is not about speculation. The Advent readings that we will hear in church call us to be alert and ready, and not weighted down and distracted by the cares of this world. Just like Lent, the liturgical color for Advent is purple, because both are seasons that prepare us for the great feast days. Advent also includes an element of penance, in a sense that we are to prepare or quiet and discipline our hearts for the full joy of Christmas. Some of your Advent devotions might include an Advent wreath, which reminds us of the meaning of this season. I hope as you work during the season of giving, that you will take a moment to reflect on the generosity that God has shown each of us by offering His Son as the perfect living sacrifice, a sacrifice that permeates our lives and offers the world the hope that we will one day be united with Him in paradise. And now, let's get to work. Today we welcome Mr. John Matthew Knowles, the Executive Director of the Diocesan Fiscal Management Conference, or DFMC, and President of the Catholic Finance Association. In addition to these leadership roles, John serves on boards of directors, task forces, and advisory councils for several national Catholic organizations, while also advising several Catholic philanthropists and families confidentially and informally. He is the host of the Faith and Finance Forum podcast, also available on YouTube and streaming apps and platforms. He holds a BA from Western Michigan University, a JD from Michigan State University College of Law, and a fellowship certificate in leadership from Michigan State University. John lives in Saucon Valley, Pennsylvania with his wife Jennifer of 14 years, his daughter Rosemary, age four, and Luke, age one. And so, without further ado, here is John Knowles. Well, John, welcome to the podcast. So glad to have you here today. Thanks, Jim. It's good to be back. You've uh, really uh, done well with the show. I, I think I was last on with you maybe two or three years ago, and here you are. Uh, a great podcasting success. Well done. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I believe we're at like episode 128 or 129 or something as we record this. It's It's been a great journey. It really has. It was great to have you at the house a couple of years ago. And since then, your role has changed. You're now president of the Catholic Finance Finance Association and we just saw each other at the Catholic Crypto Conference. I wanted to ask you, what did you think of the conference? Yeah, I, mean, I thought it was great. I, I mean, that was uh, that was unlike anything I've ever done in the Catholic space before. It was just so uh, focused on technology and the yeah. future. I, I loved it. I mean, I learned so much. I made so many great uh, connections with other Catholics and even non-Catholics that are interested in uh, technology and how it affects you know people of faith and. Uh, yeah. I think that uh, I, I think it was a great success. I think it's going to keep going too. I, I think I could see that being an annual tradition and adding uh, great fruit to the church. I completely agree. I was impressed with the level uh, and notoriety of some of the speakers that Matt Pinto and the group was able to recruit for this conference. Some of them national figures uh, like Robert Breedlove, who are our closing plenary session. He was just tremendous. Um, but then all the the area experts that he brought in on Web3 and uh, NFTs and blockchain and all the rest of the things that we discussed during the conference. So I'm excited to see where that goes. I know that they're going to be working on some follow-up. I think they called them light papers in, as to some of the ways in which crypto can 
um, impact the church or positively uh, impact the mission of evangelization or even the operations of the church. So I'll be excited to see what comes out of that. Yeah, I think you're going to see more uh, Catholic dioceses and community foundations accepting cryptocurrency and donations and having a, a strategy around that, which I think is wise. And uh, you're, you're right, Jim. I mean, and for me, one of the highlights, too, was I've never been to a conference where, like, the whole day was about blockchain, NFT, Web3, you know, the, the special uh, augmented glasses, you know, and all that right. stuff. But then in the morning, you know, it starts out with a jam-packed mass, stand, standing room only, very reverent mass. So, uh, no, oh, yeah. it, was, it was a great success. It was really cool. Yeah, it was uh, that mass was incredible. I, I was able to make the first day for mass um, of the two day conference, and we were we were packed in there like sardines. I think there was seventy of us or so or more in this little tiny room. It was it was interesting and, and exciting to see um, because most of these most of these folks that were there don't necessarily work for the church. They were folks who uh, work in 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 industry, uh, whether it be blockchain or crypto or even finance. Many of them finance folks. Um, and they were just interested in this topic and how the church can impact and shed its light on the light of our faith on this new technology. It was great to see. You know, it's interesting, Jim, and, and uh, you, you go back to the early history of the church where uh, you know, there were, the first generations of Christians were disproportionately, you know, middle class, independent entrepreneurs. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, Jesus' father, Joseph, of course, was, was one of them, you know, a carpenter right. who had his own <laughs> shop. But, uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, people think that, like, oh, you know, I mean, do, 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 do people in the church really get into technology? Of course they can. I mean, that's uh, that's really the story of our faith from the beginning. We've always been interested in, you know, innovation and uh, and doing yeah. things better and fi- finding more efficient ways to serve people and to pursue the mission of the church. So, uh, yeah. no, it's a, it's a natural fit. And I really felt that. Uh, and everyone I met at the crypto conference, they were, they were thinking to themselves, not only how, how can I turn this into a way to perhaps provide for my family or build a career around this, but how can I uh, use it as a way to serve others, especially the poor? Yeah, it it reminded me back um, in my early days when I was uh, a parish administrator at a parish uh, in Philly that um, I, I helped them put together our first website, you know, and just it's been interesting to see over my career, whether it be helping my parish put together its first website or trying this new podcast about five years ago, and now it's cryptocurrency. It's been exciting to see how the church um, can either benefit from or shed some light of, of faith to help direct and guide the way we use social media and other new technologies. It's been it's it's been a fun ride, and that's cool. That's a part of your personal story. You know, it's interesting that you shared that. And you know, another thing uh, that I'm sure you're tracking too is you know going into uh, you know the you know 2020 21 uh, COVID moment. You know, like uh, you know, especially when people weren't able to go to church in person, there was great concern that was going to have devastating impact. On uh, on giving at, at Catholic yeah. Catholic parishes, and, uh, and and I think some did you know struggle with that, but but actually a lot didn't you know, and, and yeah. a lot were able to quickly pivot to online giving and pursue that with greater intention and other methods of giving. So I mean you know again the church has remarkable resilience and and agility when it comes to leveraging technology to advance its mission, and I, I don't think that should be surprising for for a two thousand year year old institution that's had to go through a lot, you know. No, I totally agree. I, we've had a number of folks on this show, uh, development folks, talk about how they adapted during the COVID uh, time period. And, you know, where once we had maybe 10% of a parish that was giving online, now the average seems to be anywhere between 70 or 80% of Crazy. parishioners wow. are giving online on a weekly yeah. basis, which which is a tremendous blessing for for any parish, because as you and I know, as we live in the Northeast, a big snowstorm can just wipe out the Sunday collection for a whole diocese. And sure. and now that doesn't have to be the case. So it's tremendous. Yes, what do you hear? Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go I ahead. Just, I just say it's a good example of, you know, again, making, uh, you know, lemonade out of lemons and also, yeah. you know, being able to use the tools that you have at your disposal. That's, that's a good metric you shared, Jim. That's interesting. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, what are you hearing from uh, from the folks around the country on the on the in the finance uh, association? Um, have 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 di- our dioceses kind of rebounding now out of crypto? I know uh, from just the perspective of our our firm, which we do obviously we do fundraising with different dioceses around the country. We're seeing people kind of come out of this and and they're kind of ready to raise money and ready to kind of turn the page. Or what are you feeling from some of the CFOs that you talk to around the country? 
Yeah, it's a diverse uh, constituency, as you know. Yeah, yeah. every every Catholic, what's that old saying? If you, if you know one Catholic diocese, you know one Catholic diocese. No, that's you know? fair. That's true. Yeah, yeah, it <laughs> so, can be said for any parish, any Catholic school, or any diocese. Oh you're right. my gosh, it's so hard to generalize. But uh, yeah, you're but Jim, right. I, I mean, I'm I'm very bullish. I mean, I, I yeah. would say you know, and I don't want to I don't want to you know disrespect or or not acknowledge that there are you know places where you know the struggle is greater. I mean, obviously, but. Uh, I would say if I, if I had to, you know, you know, kind of generalize a little bit, I, I think I think it's it, it's it's good. I mean, there's just good stories coming out. Uh, the technology piece, the the moving to different forms of giving, I think has been widely adopted, and uh, and I think you know the outliers, or perhaps the ones that uh, didn't get on board as, as quickly with that, are now and and yeah. are enjoying the the benefits you would expect from that. And then uh, you look at institutions like Catholic schools, a lot of which did really well, you know, during you know the pandemic, and and now have sustained that success. It was kind of an opening for Catholic schools in a lot of ways. And there's other pressures in society, which I think have the potential to benefit Catholic schools as well. So th- those are all uh, good things. You know, you look at um, the apostolate community. You and I were just talking about a crypto conference that didn't exist six months ago. And we gathered 250, you know, thought leaders from all over the country to pray together and uh, and talk about how they could strengthen the church. Legatus is finishing up uh, what's probably going to be a, a record-setting year in terms of membership. Our own Catholic Finance Association, where I'm president, Again, record-setting year, uh, robust membership, great events, uh, doing well, you know, with fundraising and everything else. Uh, the Diocese of Fiscal Management Conference, where I serve as executive uh, director, had a, had a tremendous membership year, and and, and by all accounts, our, our most successful, by many accounts at least. And I'm not going to say all because they're going to find they're going to find something that, that didn't set a record. But in most ways, it was the best conference we ever did in terms of uh, participation and, and external support and uh, the quality of the program we presented. So I think what's going on is, uh, um, if you look at the history of church, it just seems like when we face challenges, if, on, the, on the other side, you know, like we're, we're, we always come out stronger. You know what I mean? Like, right. and I think, I think we're seeing another example of that here. So anyway, you know, just to, just to get to your question, I would say, you know, generally speaking, the dioceses have, uh, have, have per- persevered through this, you know, quite well. And, and, I, and I think you'll continue to see that. That's that's tremendous and and not surprising. I mean, I think there's something to be said. You can even take it back to our faith and say, I mean, when we when we fast during Lent, when we when we do without something, we we come back stronger. You know, God made us to uh, not to live in the Garden of Eden, but to face adversity. And I think each time we do, we come back stronger as a church. And in so many ways, as we talked about, as online giving being just one example. This really propelled the church into the 21st century in a way that perhaps might have taken longer had COVID not come around. Not to say, you know, praise God for COVID, of course, but but there are ways in which I think that we are present now in the form of social media, of an online presence that might have taken a lot longer, but it really forced us through that adversity uh, to be more present to the to our parishioners today. Yeah, well said. And I mean, just in terms of, you know, where we're at with uh, communications technology, I mean, Look, look at some of the other things. Look, look at like uh, Father Mike Schmitz's uh, podcast, number one podcast yeah. in America. As, as our mutual friend Matt Pinto would we, we, we jump in on this right now. It's not the number one faith based podcast, number one Catholic podcast. It's the number one podcast in America. Period. Yeah, like, I mean, like, it's just. I mean, who would have thought, who would have thought that ten years ago? Right. I mean, you would have yeah. thought it would have been you know I don't, I don't know Katy Perry or something. You know what I mean? But right. It's Father, yeah. it's, father, it's father Mike Schmitz. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then uh, yeah, I, I look at you know I, I was just in New York yesterday and and I I, I can't out, and I'm not making this up. Two people like you know talking about and using the Halo app, you know, or I think I'm not even saying that wrong. Actually, I think it's Hollow, but uh, it's Hollow app, um, you know, which has become a you know a great force uh, in in uh, you know for Catholics, you know, wanting to you know build prayer into their day schedule and all that. So, I mean, I I just I look, you're, you're not going to read about this stuff in the newspaper, okay? I mean, like, right. it's not going to it's, it's not going to be on. on no, the, they're the not going to. Yeah, but but it, but if you actually like listen, if you actually like you know, especially with some of the folks you and I encounter bishops of the church, lay leaders in the church, pastors of parishes. Uh, there, there's, there's great stuff going on out there. There's a lot of reasons to be excited. Absolutely. Uh, John, it's always fun to have a fellow podcaster on the show and and uh, your your faith and, for, for faith and finance uh, forum podcast has really taken off and uh, you've had some amazing guests. What has been, um, for me, it's been an, an incredible journey of just getting to know so many amazing folks around the country. What has your podcasting journey been like for you over the last couple of years? Yeah, thanks for, thanks for asking, Jim. That's nice. First time I've ever had the chance to talk about this. This is, this is kind of fun. Um, look, this was this is totally just a hobby. It's, it's something I do for fun on the side. 
Um, ostensibly, you know, uh, it's it's an opportunity to promote the Catholic Finance Association and prepare that organization for sure. the next phase of its growth. So, you know, that, that's the that's the strategy behind it, if you will. But really, um, it just came out of my 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 honest, like, authentic desire to like talk to people and, and learn from people. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I worked for the Ave Maria Foundation for for, for ten years, you know, first at Ave Maria School of Law and then at the uh, at Legatus, the, the the best part of the job was just being able to meet really interesting people all the time. And, and and just like you as a, as a development professional like myself, I mean, I, I would sit in these meetings and uh, you know across the table, across coffee or, or meal with a great person. I would just sit there and I'd just soak it up. I, I couldn't get enough of it. You know what I mean? I know, right? So uh, you know, my, my thought was, you know, what if I what if I built a podcast around that where I kind of do what I was doing anyway, but I shared yeah. that with others. You know, maybe maybe they'll be inspired by something. Maybe they'll learn something. I could totally crash and burn. You know, I don't know, but I'm, I'm gonna give this a shot. You know, so. Uh, Anyway, uh, with the support of my colleagues at Catholic Finance Association and uh, the generous support of my, of my dear friend, Chris McMahon, uh, who's uh, Aquinas Wealth Advisors Firm is our presenting sponsor and has, has made it possible. Um, we've done, I, I think, like 20 episodes uh, this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Way behind you, Jim, but I'll catch up one day, maybe. I'm sure and, you will, uh, yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're, they're hour-long chats where we bring in somebody who's strong in his or her faith. And is doing something very interesting in uh, in business or service to others. And mm-hmm. we just, you know, we, we get into the background, we get into bio, uh, we we probe into, you know, what what that person is doing interesting. And I really try to provide uh, insights and anecdotes that will be useful to the audience in mm-hmm. some way, whether it's business, family, faith, the combination of all three. And in my preparation for the shows, I, I really am intentional about that, trying to you know see where we, where we can bring some of that out. We've had really interesting people. I mean, my last show was with Father Robert Sirico, the founder and president emeritus of the Acton Institute. He's, you know, one of the one of the leading faith-based intellectuals in America. It was a real privilege to sit down with him. But like being able to share like a like a a long form probative conversation with somebody at that level, one, it's a dream come true for me. I mean, I had to pinch myself. But two, for the audience to hear that, I mean, that's just I, mean, I think I think that's delivering value. I'm I'm really I'm really pleased with what we're doing with that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think I think when, whenever we can bring people of faith into the public square and, and around around um, the light of our faith, you know, whether it be topics of finance or as we talked about crypto, I think it just uh, raises all boats, you know, and you bring to light things and ministries and things that people are doing that people don't aren't necessarily aren't necessarily aware of. And I think that's it's tremendous. And it's a lot of fun, too. I agree. It's yeah. I, it is. I really enjoyed it. For me, it started out as a hobby and then became part of my job here, which has been just a tremendous blessing. I love it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. And, and honestly, I mean, I, if anybody out there is like kind of on the fence about whether or not we want to do this, look, give it a try. Like, I mean, nobody's going to like hold it against you if, you know, right. it's not your thing or, you know, it doesn't really, it doesn't really go anywhere. I mean, I, I, I still don't know if, if I've, you know, I, I guess, uh, you know, succeeded with it or not, you know what I mean? But I, I know that I'm having fun with it. I know occasionally somebody will say, hey, listen to the show. That was good stuff. That's enough for me. That's more than worth an hour or two yeah. a month for me. That That's that's absolutely, I feel the same way. Somebody sends me an email or comments. Oh, I really enjoyed that episode. That that was, that's all the, that's all the things I need. It's it's just great. It keeps you going. I know. Um, John, tell me a little bit about, you know, going back, to, you know, to your role at the Catholic Finance Association as the president. I know you've been there a little bit over a year now in that role. Um, what are some of the issues that our CFOs around the country, our dioceses, our Catholic schools, what are the, what are some of the hot topics that they're talking about at, at the conference? I know you just also recently had had a big conference. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot going on. Um, and, and so it's a, a little bit difficult to start. Um, but let me, uh, you know, I think a good starting point might be to say that Catholic dioceses and Catholic parishes are very much businesses now, you know, like the chanceries, the, the, the offices. And so, um, and you know, they run like a business. So yeah. I, I wouldn't say that anybody who knows what it's like to be at a, at a, at a big firm or a big company or even a small business, um, it's a lot of the same things that, that they're dealing with management uh, budgets, uh, legal matters, risk management, uh, you know, mission pursuit, performance evaluation, uh, benchmarking. So, uh, really it's not all that different. You know, I would say the only, the only difference would be is that, you know, the church, uh, you know, faces certain challenges that, you know, perhaps, you know, uh, a business in the, in the secular world might not, you know, uh, mm-hmm. including, 
we're, we're, we're a countercultural organization, um, you know, in the sense that the, uh, the mass culture, the, the, you know, the, the world around us is, it's not always completely uh, congruent with, uh, with what the church stands for and what the church believes in. So that's, uh, that's a yeah, unique 100%. dynamic that yeah. plays into it. So you gotta, you gotta navigate that piece, um, which I, which I think you can't do. But I think the the biggest uh, another thing that's different about it, and this is I think our greatest strength, is that you know we have the presence of the church's bishops and other clergy around us uh, who are exemplary people, uh, people of extremely advanced education and professional preparation and leadership skill and personal morality and all the things you look for in a in a in a strong leader. Those people are there and present and completely committed day in and day out to the mm-hmm. success of the franchise. So. You don't have to worry about, um, or maybe I shouldn't say you don't have to worry, but I think you have to worry less about the leader being distracted, you know, with something that's unrelated to the to the mission of the organization. You know, comparing that to a diocese or, or a parish, etc. So I think that's a big advantage. To, to, to answer a better way, I might be to you know look at the curricula from the latest DFMC conference, where you know we had Dr. Andrew Abella come in from Catholic University uh, to talk about the virtue, how virtue is the the basis of leadership. So I think uh, so I think that that was well received and that was appreciated. You know, uh, we, we we can't remind ourselves enough of the importance and the deep calling that working in the Catholic Church uh, is. And, and, and Dr. Bella's uh, you know speech was was strong on that. Navigating the uh, the continued reverberations of uh, the abuse crisis, uh, you know, is 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 something you know, and, and it's certainly a priority. And it's you know, there, there's dimensions of that, especially um, our continued extraordinary efforts to protect vulnerable people and identify, you know, uh, problems before they arise, which the church uh, has, has, you know, been, been doing in a very intentional way, in a very focused way for decades now. Uh, not saying it's perfect, but uh, you can't say the effort isn't isn't extraordinary. I mean, it's, it's very strong, very intentional. So, and, and then the financial impacts that too, you know, which, uh, which you know impact uh, Catholic dioceses, you know, dealing with the uh, you know the the, the legal uh, consequences of some of that, uh, which which in, in, in broader business you refer to as a risk management uh, consideration, you know, a risk management strategy. So uh, you know that's that's high on the minds, um, obviously with the starting point being protection of, of victims and young people, which is the top priority. I, I guess the last thing I'd say, which is kind of an interesting phenomenon, is. Uh, uh, recruitment, retention, uh, preparation of uh, professional staff that serve in the Catholic churches, uh, diocese, parishes, nonprofit organizations, other ministries. Um, you know, developing uh, leaders from within people that have you know spent their entire career working for the church, but also Jim, a very interesting influx of people from the uh, the private sector, uh, entrepreneurship, corporate space, big firms that uh, you know did that for a while, did that for for years or decades. Had a good run, but uh, they want to give back to the church now. They want to do something that's more aligned with their, you know, their personal belief system and, and give back a little bit. So you'll have somebody coming from perhaps a big four accounting firm and applying to be the CFO of a Catholic diocese, uh, bringing in all the uh, the preparation, the training, the professional development that she enjoyed in that role, and now leveraging it on behalf of the church and in the diocese, which is a great blessing. But when we do that, we need to make sure that uh, it's it's a smooth transition. From uh, you know one uh, corporate culture, which is going to be you know very different than 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 the diocesan culture that she'll move into. So important, yeah. And I, in in my uh, couple decades now of serving the church, I've seen seen so many uh, amazing people, like you say, come from the private sector and bring those gifts and and better uh, better the church because of it. And and so we need we need individuals and sometimes it's folks you know who are mid career mid life thinking you know maybe i'm i'm ready for a change ready to, to jump into something new maybe it's somebody who might have done had a business for 25 or 30 years and they're selling that business and now they're looking for what the next chapter might be they feel like they're too young to retire but they might still have 10 years to give to the church or even 5 years i've seen some amazing stories uh where they brought their gifts whether it be around marketing or finance or whatever uh to to make our church better yeah indeed and i mean i think we're going to see more and more of that you know uh it's it's a great life. I mean, as you know, yeah. I mean, like it's it's very rewarding. It's very fulfilling. Uh, yeah. you, you never question the sense of purpose. You you, co- you come home at the end of the day, and, and your wife and your kids are proud of what you do. You yeah. you, you never have a problem looking, looking at yourself in the mirror. I mean, it's just uh, it, it's mm-hmm. a good life. It's going to continue to attract people of very high quality. And look, it's not to take away anything from those that 
you know, come, you know, right out of school and, and, and start working in the Catholic church and spend their whole career there, that, that's, that's equally valuable and, and honorable. And that's great too. Um, I, I just, I just think this is, this is, you know, kind of a, a newer phenomenon. And, and, I, and I think it's an interesting one to continue to track. It's always, there's always a learning curve though. I, isn't there, um, when it comes to helping somebody understand the dynamics of how the church works too, it's a little different from, from the private sector. And, you know, I, I remember talking with our CFO once, um, diocese I used to work for, um, Hey, why don't we just tell the pastor that he needs to do this? He, he's just got to do that, you know, and, and it's, it's a little different than just directing folks. It's, it's consensus building, it's communication, uh, and it's it's relationship, I find, too. And one of the things we talk a lot about uh, in as development professionals who might work for a diocese is getting to know the pastors and understanding the folks who are in the Catholic schools, the principals, the presidents, understanding their their pain points and what's important to them is so important. It's It's very different from a CFO or a CEO in a top-down kind of organization. It's 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 more of a level playing field. I find that communication is so critical in those in relationship building is absolutely key. Yeah, that, that's a really great point. And I, and I think that's actually, you know, one of the most interesting features of, of this line of work is that, uh, yeah, you, you, you have to get along with a lot of different kinds of people. You gotta, you gotta listen really intentionally. Yeah. And, uh, you, you, at least for me, I always go into those conversations, you know, recalling like, you know, this is, you know, like the examples you said, like the school principal or, or uh, you know, the parish pastor, I mean, this uh, this person has probably committed decades of their life to this institution, to this school, yeah. to this parish. Or, you know, I mean, like that, that's where their passion comes from. That's where perhaps their protectiveness of it comes from. And uh, that's a beautiful thing. And But it's an opportunity for you to present yourself as a servant in a very Christ-like manner and to say, uh, hey, you know, th- this, is, this is where I'm coming from. This is what I want to talk to you about. You know, it's, it's going to be a dialogue. Uh, yeah. You know, we're going to work together on this. And, and, and look, if you live with integrity, you're going to have great success. Yeah, because so often um, I, I find this, the, the poor CFO or the controller, they get the bad rap, right? Because they've got to be, I don't want to say the protector of the money, but they have a, a fiduciary role to make the operation work. And um, and to play that role in a, in a balanced way with, I would say, a Catholic worldview is so critical uh, in building those relationships. As you said at the beginning of the podcast, you've seen one parish, you've seen one parish, you've seen one diocese, you've seen one diocese. So, so important. Yeah, indeed. I mean, that's, uh, that's what leadership's about though. I mean, you know, yeah. you gotta be, somebody's gotta, the Irish have a great saying, uh, which we should say more in America. I think someone's got to have their head on the block. And, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just, I think that's true. I mean, look, if it's you're going to be, a, yeah. yeah, if you're going to be a bishop, if you're going to be a, a CFO, if you're going to be a, an executive director, I mean, like, uh, understand that there's some, there's some accountability that comes with that. Otherwise you're not, you're not really ready for the role. Yeah. You know, we, we, we need to talk about that more. I mean, like there, mm-hmm. that, you know, with, 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 with influence and authority should come responsibility and accountability. Yeah. No, in the Catholic church, I think we do a pretty good job of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I know many development directors I've spoken to over the years, they made a point. I did when I came to Allentown just to try to get out and get to know as many of the guys as possible. And and being out in the field, I think is so critical spending, you know, maybe 50% of your time at your desk and it's hard to do. And then maybe 50% of your time out in the field, just kind of being present and getting to know the folks is is just so critical. John, yeah, what that, that, hey, just real quick, that, that is the hard yeah. balance, isn't it? Because I don't know, I don't know if you're, you're like me, but I just, I, I, all I want to do is meet with people. I mean, like, uh, yeah. and there's yeah. a few other development, uh, Catholic development podcasts out here, uh, you know, that talk about this all the time. Uh, but I, I just wanted to have like eight meetings a day. All I want to do yeah. is be in front of people, you know, talking to people, you know, talking about the mission, what, 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 what we were doing. And yeah. I, the last thing I wanted to do was like file expense reports and send notes right. and uh, hold meetings. And, you know, I just, anyway, it's, it's interesting, but yeah. no, it, it's so true. It's so true. What do you, um, one of the hot topics, obviously, in a lot of dioceses are, are just Catholic schools. And, and I'm sure that the CFOs that, that you interact with, many of them are, are, um, are facing different challenges, whether they be consolidation or enrollment challenges or marketing challenges what are you hearing out in the field? Uh, anything new coming down the pike on on Catholic education? Yeah, we had a great uh, we had a great panel discussion at the uh, DFMC conference in DC uh, back in September. We had uh, Kathleen Porter McGee and Keith Parsons and Tom Carroll, our, our great friend from Boston, the uh, head of Catholic schools in the Archdiocese. 
And so it was a very, it was a very strong panel with different backgrounds and different perspectives. And at least the report of that panel was that um, there's a lot of good out there. Uh, you know, like you know, you know, there's always going to be you know, exceptions, obviously, but you know, generally speaking, you know, the the, the COVID uh, years you know, were opportunities for a lot of Catholic schools. The ones that that perhaps aren't, you know, uh, you know, aren't keeping up with that that overall trend. I just wonder if those are local circumstances that aren't perhaps, you know, necessarily related to the to the product of Catholic education, perhaps meta factors that are beyond that. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll give you an example. Like in my in my home state of Michigan, there's been a lot of out migration over the past twenty years. I'm an example of that. You know, I spent my first twenty nine years in Michigan and now I've lived in Florida and Pennsylvania since then. There's just a lot of communities that have shrunk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's there's just nothing going on there. There's no children, you know, and uh so I, I guess, you know, when, when there's a lot of examples like that, I know there's a lot of examples like that in other parts of the country. I just wonder if if that's getting mixed into the data sometimes, then they're like, you know, it, it, it drags down. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I wish I was better when it, when it comes to the statistical analysis. I mean, I'm, I'm decent mm-hmm. at it, you know, but there's, there's people that are way, way better than me. Mm-hmm. What I'd like to do is, is maybe, you know, find a way to to separate out kind of like the outliers don't actually have anything to do with the Catholic education product or, you know, the uh, you know, perhaps the you know the the work of that local diocese somehow be able to like you know separate those out and just look at the ones that you know have a, have a fighting chance uh, it's it's succeeding and not necessarily the ones that just because of other circumstances you know don't really does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. It really does. Well, when when you were talking there, uh, you mentioned you were from um, Michigan. What part of yeah. Michigan? Yeah, I grew up outside Detroit. Uh, oh, so did my wife. Uh, yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. A little town called Bloomfield Township. So, okay, my wife was from Birmingham. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah, right down the road. Small, That's great. Small world. No, no, it's, no, it makes a lot of sense. It really does. I, I think, um, you, you know, when when we were tackling it uh, when I when I worked in the Diocese of Allentown, which is a few years ago now, but we we really looked at some of the marketing that was and some of the enrollment strategies and really trying to professionalize that, getting more advancement directors in in helping our uh, elementary schools that are under resourced. Um, we're Bennett, we, you know, we live here in the state of Pennsylvania, as you and I are both residents of the Lehigh Valley. We were beneficiaries of the educational improvement tax credit program, which has mm-hmm. been just tremendous, uh, especially in the state of Pennsylvania. I know it helps many, uh, several other states around the country. Um, but it, it can't just be, a. what I think I learned through the process is that yes, it's, there's certainly a fundraising issue, that there's also a, a marketing issue and there's uh-huh. a, you know, there's, uh-huh. there's telling our story and the amazing things that happen in Catholic schools and just finding the forms to do that in the appropriate channels. Um, and, and then delivering on that product is just so key. Yeah. Jim, if you haven't yet, you might consider talking to Tom Carroll and, uh, in the Archdiocese of Boston, who's, yeah, I know Tom. Uh, sure. Yeah. I've, I've come to really respect his, his thoughts on this. And, you know, uh, along with all those points you just, you just mentioned, which I agree with, and I think are critical, Tom is having great success promoting a rediscovery of, of a deep, rich spiritual curriculum in Catholic schools that uh, is just enjoying great uh, success. Recruiting teachers and principals that are on fire for their Catholic faith, uh, in much the same way we're seeing in you know, Catholic dioceses with these folks mm-hmm. who mentioned earlier coming over from the corporate world or big four yeah. financial for, or big four accounting firms. So you know, Tom is uh, driving an agenda where. The uh, the formation of the young person and discovery of, mm. of a vibrant, um, strong faith is 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 just you know adding a lot to the curriculum and and just adding the success of the school too. Mm-hmm. So I I personally think that's a that's a big part of it too. It yeah. Is where are you where are you at with your provision of uh, of faith formation in your school? I mean, are are your are your young people going through the sacraments and preparation? In, in in a really meaningful way, you know, like in in in, in kind of a an extraordinary way, where it's where it's something they're excited about and it's seen as a beautiful thing. And um, are they going to mass? Are they are they learning about the the history and the traditions and the and the deep treasure of, of our of our faith? Yeah, is it being presented in, in in an exciting way, like cool thing, like it's a it's something that they should be excited about and really curious about? Yeah. So anyway, like you know, Tom, I, I think has some great ideas around that. Um, which I'm personally attracted to. I think that's part of it too. Well, you bring up a great point there. I mean, uh, really capitalizing on on our our Catholic faith and 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 making it the best possible the- theological cur- curriculum that we could offer children and families, really in family faith formation, which is so critical. Is you know we can't assume that 
you know, Catholic school families are going to mass uh, every week, or that there is a faith component in in the family. So I I, I completely agree. I think that makes perfect sense. Well, well, sure, and that should be part of the message too. I mean, for those yeah. Catholic families that that aren't attending mass, aren't you know fully practicing their faith. I mean, that's that's an invitation that has to be rolled out. You know, and I mean, of course, yeah. you have to do it in a in a kind way, in a charitable way, in a patient way. Uh, but but I think at some point we just kind of gave up on that, and uh, I shouldn't say all all people. I mean, in a lot of cases, you know, some yeah. gave up. Some gave up on that, and I think we got to get back to that. I mean, like, there's nothing yeah. wrong with saying, "Hey, you know, I mean, we're Catholic school. We're we're proud of that. We're excited about that. We'd love to see you in mass on Sunday. And yeah, if, you know, can I sit with you? Can I walk with you there? You know, you know, et cetera. So uh, my uh, my my daughter Rosemary is going to the Regina Academy at St. John's in Ottsville here in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. And uh, they do a really cool thing uh, every morning. They gather for a forum at the very beginning of the day where they, they pray together. They have a priest present. They say the Pledge of Allegiance. They sing God Bless America. And then they have like a, a quick minute of just, you know, teaching on, uh, you, know, you know, if there's a saint for that day, if, if it's a season in the church, like we just started Advent, you know, we had kind of a, a talk about that. And here's the best part, Jim. They, they, they let parents show up for these. So I try to go to everyone I can. And, and Jim, it's been like the best thing for my own spiritual life. I mean, like, yeah, well, absolutely. all these kids like into it and on fire and, and curious. And I mean, like I'm learning things that I should have been taught and I never was. So, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, to your point, like, I mean, the, that's another beautiful gift that Catholic schools give. It's not just to the kids. It's also to the families. I, I miss those years, John. I've got three in college now and I, I do miss being in that Catholic school environment. It's probably why. I agreed to come back onto the board uh, that I used to sit on at our local, at our Catholic school at St. Anne's. I just um, so grateful to the community that embraced us when we moved here to the Lehigh Valley. Um, they became an extension of our family. And uh, and I don't think you can put a price tag on that. that. That was just, it was something, we were not from here. We had no family or friends here. And just being in that community, we we formed you know friendships that we've had for for over fifteen years now. So that's beautiful, Jeff. That's so cool. Yeah. So speaking of uh, kind of revitalizing uh, our faith, um, the Eucharistic revival movement and the Eucharistic Congress is something that we're seeing coming on strong. And just in our very our last episode here, we had Tim Glumkowski, uh, the new executive director of the. Eucharistic uh, revival, and uh, he's doing amazing things. I got to speak with him back in in August. And uh, what are what are you seeing uh, on the national front on some of the? I know Tim, Tim's just getting started, and the conference is still a ways away. But I'm already uh, receiving. I think I have now two books on sure. rediscovering the Eucharist that I've received just in the last two weeks from different authors. There's definitely, you can feel the bishops kind of really pressing and pushing in on this really important um, topic, especially in light of getting people to come back to mass and getting them kind of out of the their comfortable sofa chair and back into the pew. Um, what, what are you seeing on the national front, John? Yeah. And it's just, you know, me talking my personal opinion. And I, I just really commend the, the USCCB for, uh, uh, sparking this movement and making yeah. this a priority. I, I think it's an awesome demonstration of leadership. Um, and, and, you know, as you probably learned from your conversation with Tim, this is actually bringing something back, you know, that had been a part of the church's life uh, yes. decades mm-hmm. ago uh, that it kind of, you know, faded away. And now we're bringing it back, which I, I think is is, is, a, is a very important thing to, to point out, you know, that we allowed uh, this tradition to atrophy and ultim- ultimately go away. But now with great intention and with the leadership of the bishops and other organizations, we're bringing it back. So uh, it's just another, like we were talking about earlier, just another point of pride for the Catholic Church right now. Listen, um, we, we need to be focused on things like this, I think. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes, you know, we spend a lot of time thinking, a lot of time talking about things that don't necessarily unite uh, Catholics. Um, and this is something that should unite all of us. This is exactly the core of who we are, the, the presence and the opportunity to physically commune with Jesus Christ daily through the Eucharist and all the responsibilities that come along with that, all the, you know, the avoidance of sin, the, the going to confession, uh, the rece- you, know, re- do, you know, receiving absolution, doing penance, um, everything goes along with it. Um, the reverence at the Mass, you know, recognizing that something really extraordinary is happening there, teaching that to your children. Um, that's what the Eucharistic revival is all about, and uh, and also bringing back the beauty of the church, which is one of our great advantages. That for some reason, 
um, you know, we, we've, we've, we've let fade out a little bit. I mean, the church has so much beauty around it, you know, and it's architecture and it's art and it's music in, uh, you know, the way it presents itself at mass and in public displays, Eucharistic processions, you know, which are a part of the, Eucharist, the church's life throughout the world, including here in the United States are, are seeing a, a renaissance. We've seen that um, in many different places, including in, in New York city a month ago where blessed sacrament was uh, walked down fifth Avenue um, in, in a very grand setting last year when they did that, that was, you know, uh, that was uh, covered in the wall street journal, you know, received a lot of media attention. So I mm-hmm. guess that it's an opportunity internally for the church to remind ourselves or perhaps teach for the first time, you know, a core teaching, really, really the central teaching of, of the practice of our faith, mm-hmm. uh, one for our own revival, but two, to, to share that with the world and the, and the opportunity that the Catholic church provides people to uh, commune so intimately with God uh, in, a, in a very special way. Um, so I love it. Uh, Tim is a friend. I, I support him 100%. I, I, I pray for him all the time. I, mm-hmm. I'm doing anything I can to help him uh, and, and his team. And I think, Jim, I think this is going to be a big deal. I think that uh, the, the public display, displays and the, and the PR work and the promotions going around the Eucharistic revival is going to reignite the Catholic Church, unite us uh, around a cause that we should all be excited for. And, and as we see the Congress coming up in, in two and a half years, uh, you know, further, further uh, expand the Catholic Church's reach into uh, modern culture and mainstream society through this, this big major event that will occur every year and really promote all, all the good things that our, that our church does. Well said. Well said, John. I, I'll, I'm going to tell you a little funny story. So um, a couple, few weeks ago, my wife was not feeling well, and um, and I could feel something kind of coming on a little bit. And, I, and we've, I've been struggling a little bit with a cough. So it's Sunday morning. I said, honey, I, I, she was feeling awful. Why don't we just put on Father Mike Schmitz? I don't want you to get anybody sick. I don't want you to get sicker. And I sat down there. And at the very beginning of Mass, Father Mike says, now, I'm so happy that all of our virtual pew friends could join us, as he always says at the beginning of his Mass. But if you're able to go to Mass, if you have, if you are physically able to go, I just want to remind you that it is a sin to miss Mass. I mean, he really put it on the line there. And I'm sitting there in that chair thinking, I looked at my wife and said, all right, God's trying to tell me something. I got to get, I got to go to Mass. I'm sorry. I, I, and we never... We never miss mass. We all we've been going back to in person since since you know for over a year now. But it was just funny. It was like God was speaking to me in that moment. It's like, all right, Jim, you could physically go to mass right now. You need to get off that couch and get back to it. And I, I think so often it's that simple. You know, it's just a choice that some that we make and say, well, okay, I'll just maybe this Sunday we'll just watch mass online. But we need that Eucharistic presence in our own life. We need the real presence. I was just listening to something this morning on, you know, the need for community in our in our life as as a community of believers. Mass is not something that we do alone. It's not a spectator sport where we watch it on a TV. It's the real presence of Christ. And we are that presence of Christ when we come to be together at mass. So I had my little weak moment, but I'm proud to say I bounced off the couch, took a shower and got to mass by by 10 o'clock. Well, I, I'm not surprised to hear that. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Jim, uh, I, I just, when you were talking about this, this just came to my mind too. Like, I think it's also an opportunity for us to, to, you know, teach and defend the Catholic church's yeah. ministry around, around the Eucharist. I mean, let's, yeah. let's really go through why we believe what we do, um, why we believe it so strongly, the, the evidence and the teaching around it. Let's mm-hmm. uh, let's allow that to be questioned. Let's allow that to be yeah. criticized. And, yeah. and, and and the smartest people in the church, I will have an opportunity to to defend it, to mm-hmm. uh, provide the evidence, to provide why we believe this uh, so 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 strongly. And I, and I think that that has great value too. You know what I mean? Like and mm-hmm. and we have brilliant people in the church that are that are ready for that for that conversation. And, and that'll that I think will ignite more sincere belief in the real presence. Than anything else, maybe would be to have that you know kind of back and forth about it, and ultimately the truth will prevail. I, I have no doubt. But uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, like when's the last time you heard a good debate about that, or a good you know, or, or a good um, you know kind of you know criticism of it? You know, I mean, that's that's something I think is healthy too. 
I do too. Yeah, we have to be challenged in our faith, and, yeah. and that's what that's what Jesus did for. I mean, Jesus didn't mince words. He was loving. He loved everybody, but he also challenged them, and he made people some people pretty angry. Clearly, <laughs> yeah. So. It's look. It's you're right. I mean, it's uh, it's not easy to uh, to stand up for these things. It's not easy to believe these things. I mean, it's it's it's, it's that's why it's a lifelong uh, journey, right? It really um, is. God, but it's so valuable. It's it's. I know. I know it's given you a great deal. I know you're you're close to finishing your diaconate studies. I'm so happy for you. I'm proud of you, Jim. And uh, thank you. I just that. Uh, it, it, that. That's the cool thing about the Catholic Church, though, is that like there's you can never know it all. You can never explore it, you know, fully. Yeah. Uh, you can just kind of get as far as you can in your life, and you, you're certainly you know doing that in your studies right now. Oh, thank you, John. I appreciate you saying that. Well, as we uh, come to a close, tell me a little bit about what uh, any anything new happening with the DFMC or the Catholic Finance Association. I'm sure you have a, a lot of initiatives on tap for 2023. Yeah, wrapping up a really strong uh, 2022 on the uh, Catholic Finance Association front. This was a a real year of growth uh, for us. Uh, our Women of Wall Street event back in June, uh, and graciously hosted by our friends from Mutual America on, uh, on Park Avenue in Manhattan. Uh, you know, it was a triumph for us with uh, Kelly Evans from CNBC as our, our host and, and, and uh, guest of honor that night, interviewing three Catholic uh, female executives, women executives, talking about their, their faith and their leadership. That was, that was a real triumph for us. Really proud of how that, how that turned out. Sure. And then uh, you know, we'll do our annual, uh, our annual uh, summer uh, patio reception at the cathedral. This year we tried it at Old St. Patrick's, which was great. We might do that again, um, but we, you know, historically have done that at the uh, uh, patio of St. Patrick's Cathedral, the new cathedral on, on Fifth Avenue, which uh, is, is under renovation this year. It wasn't available to us. And then uh, the, you know the uh, the pinstripe mass, which is uh, you know kind of our, our our marquee event every year. We're really proud of that. Carl Dolan celebrates when he's in town and available. Uh, that'll be in November. And well, you know, we, we celebrate mass uh, at St. Patrick's and we go to a local restaurant for fellowship and, you know, nice. uh, coffee hour afterwards. And then we, we do uh, webinars and the podcast will continue. We'll, we'll, we'll keep that going at least another year. I'm having fun with that. And then, uh, you know, we want to look for opportunities to uh, uh, connect um, uh, Catholic finance professionals for mentoring opportunities, both uh, mentoring and being mentored. It's on the horizon and down the road, uh, you know, we'd like to grow it. We'd like to grow it beyond New York City. We do have members in other places, but no, you know, you know, kind of really strong groups that are meeting regularly, like the New York group is, there's no reason that the finance, a Catholic finance association shouldn't be a national organization, uh, you know, a chapter organization, like so many other Catholic groups. Um, you know, we could certainly do that in the big cities, at least I think, you know, Boston, DC, Chicago, LA, Denver, mm-hmm. Phoenix. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of a five-year plan for that. And that, that's a volunteer role for me, by the way, I'm, I'm the, I'm the president, but I, I mm-hmm. just, you know, I, I just, I just do that as a, as a, as a, you know, as a leadership opportunity and, you know, and a way to serve the church. For DFMC, really excited for uh, what's coming up in 2023. You know, we, we have our, our conference in Denver in September, which uh, is, is going to be great. Really good. Always good to go back to Denver. Uh, that's actually where uh, the DFMC was first originated in kind of like the founding conversations 53 yeah. years ago. Okay. Uh, a group of uh, Catholic finance people and clergy uh, met in Denver. They were, they were, I think they were at another conference and uh, you know, came up with the idea of the DFMC. So it's a chance to you know, go back to our roots. For me, it's mm-hmm. a chance to go back to my roots too because you know, in, in 1993, I was there at World Youth Day when, when uh, Pope St. John Paul II came to Denver. And that was obvious for everybody. You know, they went to that. That was a you know, big turning point you know, for me included. So that, you know, I, whenever I go to Denver, I, I obviously think of that. So uh, that conference curricula and uh, and speaker lineup is set. Uh, all all the planning is complete. We're blessed to have Archbishop Aquila join us for uh, for some of that time, um, and we'll have a, a beautiful mass at the cathedral in downtown Denver, not far from the state capitol. And then yeah. uh, you'll you'll have speakers participating, talking about all areas of uh, uh, fiscal management and and providing value to attendees. I also want to give a, a shout out to our sponsors, the DFMC. The exhibitors and the sponsors that make that uh, happen—they've—they've they've really stepped up to support our conference in a in a major way in recent years, and I just can't express enough gratitude uh, to them. So both those organizations are are in really good shape, um, as are the ones that I'm just involved in. You know, uh, again as a volunteer, such as uh, Array of Hope and Catholic Leadership Institute, which I know you're very familiar with, and uh, and other great causes. Uh, you know, supporting the church and uh, and, and its members. So. Looking forward to the new year, man. I, I hope I can get a little bit of downtime around the holiday, though, just to yeah. you know, curl up with a coffee and a book and you know play with my kids a little bit. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you, we, we both have a lot to be thankful for, both with our families and the way that the Lord continues to call us in service to the church. Um, I feel very fortunate. And and you're, John, you're doing just some amazing things. And it's been exciting to see, you know, each each step from the goddess to the roles that you're playing now. It just You're just doing amazing work for the church. Thank you for the service that you provide and for providing that forum for our financial leaders and our bishops so that they can talk about these issues and continue to network and uh, and provide new resources for them. So that's it's just so critical, it provides really so much of the backbone of the business aspect to keeping the church uh, vibrant and, and healthy today. So thank you. Well, Jim, that means a lot coming from you. Thank you for saying that and likewise. And uh, yeah, just uh, if I could leave, uh, you know, I, I know you know it's this. There is an abundance of really, really good things going on in the Catholic Church right now. I don't think there's ever been a ba- better time to be Catholic in the United States than right now. There's mm-hmm. just so much clarity and contrast around our belief systems with, you know, perhaps what's being offered <laughs> outside. Um, it's, it's just a good, I mean, if you appreciate love, if you appreciate peace, if you appreciate charity in your neighbor, if you appreciate, you know, living a good life and being a, a moral person and being a part of, you know, the, uh, the oldest and, 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 and the most diverse and the, and the, you know, most enduring institution in, in human civilization. I mean, it's just a, a great time to come back to the faith or come to it for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. John, thanks for coming back on Advancing Our Church. Uh, it's great, always great to be with you. I, when, when you're with a fellow podcaster and when you're with a friend uh, on the, on the show, it's, it's always, the conversation just tends to flow and I really enjoyed our time together. Likewise, brother. God bless you. All right, thanks. I want to thank John for being on our show this week and for taking some time with us today to talk about the wonderful opportunities that are happening in our church. If you haven't checked out his Faith and Finance Forum podcast, I will leave a link in the show notes of this episode so that you can subscribe, and I'll leave a link to John in the DFMC as well. Thank you again, John, for being on our show and for all you do for the Catholic Church. Well, that's our show this week. Special thanks to Pottery Studios for another great show. And if you'd like to help our show, please leave us a rating wherever you downloaded this podcast. And if this is your first time listening to Advancing Our Church, I hope you'll stick around and subscribe. You can find us on all places where you download your favorite podcasts. You can find us on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. And for more information about our show, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, and we are a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising both nonprofits and corporations for more than two decades. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, that's it for me, everybody. Hope you have a great week and enjoy this Advent season. Take care and God bless.